Hey everybody, welcome to the New Market Alliance Church podcast, where you're invited to not just attend church or watch church, or in this case, listen to church, but actually go and be the church. For everything you need to know about our community, be sure to go to newmarketalliance.ca and maybe even drop us a line to let us know you're listening. We read everything you send and we'll be sure to get back to you. Our worship service happens every Sunday at 10 a.m. in person or streaming online. We want you to know you absolutely matter to God and you absolutely matter to us. Everyone is welcome and wanted. Now, let's join today's teaching. I really stepped in it last week uh, when I laid my cards out about musicals. Uh, For those of you who weren't here, I said basically they're the lowest art form that exists. Uh, we almost had a church split in real time, which uh, was, was interesting. Um, Melissa did text me right after and said, yes, I, she does in fact love musicals. She's practically accepted them into her heart. And uh, interestingly, uh, that Sunday night, I thought I would, I would try something because I'm like, am I missing something? People were so adamant that you know, musicals are, are it. Like Glenn Robinson, who can barely sing a carol, like loves the greatest showman, you know? No, 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 there's no, no, no. So I started to watch maybe the most acclaimed musical of the last decade on Disney Plus. I started watching Hamilton, you know, I'm not throwing away my shot. And I'm not a historian, but look, I'm just going to say it. I I don't think Alexander Hamilton actually rapped in real life. Um, what do I know? I got through the first 20 minutes, and uh, I figure if I, if I take that, you know, if I take it in segments, I'll get through it by 2023. So we've been looking at the original Christmas musical, if, if, if you will, where people literally historically burst into song. You know, no hidden orchestras. Uh, They were just so overcome by the wonders of his love. Uh, These were the the original Christmas carols, if you will, uh, the original Christmas playlists, and they've been preserved for us in Scripture. Some like Zechariah, uh, like we learned about last week, his song was unfamiliar to most people. Excuse me. And uh, we're going to look at a, a song today that's a, a little more familiar. It's the angel's announcement of Jesus' birth. And this passage that was read at the very beginning of the service on video involved shepherds, men, actually often boys, who herded livestock for a living. The, these were people kind of at the very bottom of the social structure, okay? You've heard people say, like, um, she cusses like a sailor. And I'm always like, don't talk about my wife that way. That's twice. That's twice. I've done. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. In, um, now, in those days, there was a, a saying, he lies like a shepherd. Uh, f- fairly or unfairly, the character of a shepherd was not highly regarded. Uh, shepherds tended to be hygienically challenged, uh, uneducated, socially inept. And I mean, when you're just surrounded by 
sheep all day, um, you start talking to them. You start turning weird. It was a dirty and dangerous work. Shepherds were exposed to all the elements of the seasons. And I mean, you all feel that wind yesterday? Like shepherds had to stay in that. Uh, Men who shepherded usually had no other options. It wasn't like, hmm, should I become a rabbi or a shepherd? It was the last option. And I've really come to appreciate that these angels did not bring this amazing message of Christ's birth to influencers. Uh, it wasn't to the Kardashians. It, it, they didn't appear to the wealthy or, or the political or religious leaders. I love that. It's so countercultural, so upside down. It's so, it's so like our God, isn't it? Uh, instead, these holy messengers came to the least significant, the least respected, the least likely people in their community. So when God's messenger said, to, um, said uh, that he came to bring good news to all people, he demonstrates it by starting at the bottom. First, there was one angel, presumably Gabriel, who appeared to Zechariah last week. And then he was joined in verse 13, it says, with a great company of angels. That phrase means more than can be counted. If you think, you know, one angel is scary or awe-inspiring, how would you feel to see angels from here to infinity? The, the first angel brought the news in verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And he gave specific instructions about when and where this Messiah was to be born. The great company of angels was sort of like like the Greek chorus. Uh, For those of you who are familiar with that theater reference, you know, they brought the commentary. They they brought it in form of, of song. And this particular song has inspired composers for 2,000 years. It's often called the Gloria, um, after the first word in the Latin translation. It's it's the basis of modern choral works, traditional Christmas carols, ancient liturgical chants. Um, It was one of the early songs of my favorite band, U2, Gloria. I thought they were singing about some girl named Gloria. No, it turns out it means glory to God in the highest. And this line of the angel's song focuses on the one who set the events in motion, the one who controls all of the events on earth, the one who, who dwells in the highest place. And because of what is about to happen, because of who this baby is, people who responded to this message are going to respond with praise. They will say things like, my life was a mess and you gave me purpose. I, I used to glorify myself, but now the glory is yours, God. Frank, you know what I'm talking about, right? People will say, I was wandering and lost and alone. I'd been rejected by everyone. I once loved and trusted. And you found me, Lord. All glory to you, God. Um, I was living in fear 
fearful of those around me, fearful of the future. And then because of the son you sent, I I found release from my fear. God, you are magnificent. They give glory to God whenever this good news is shared. Glenn, can you grab me the handheld mic? This is annoying me and it's probably annoying you. Um, It's because of, I think I'm going to just switch it up if that's okay. Yeah. It's nice that we can be this close, Andre. I <laughs> haven't felt your touch like that in. You know I can hear. It is because of Christmas that we gather here Sunday after Sunday to sing songs of worship, and and may I say. The issue is not whether you love a particular song. I don't love every song that we sing. The issue is, do you love the one that the song is about? Many of you love everything about Christmas. You love the music. You love the decorations. By the way, Raquel, didn't she do a great job? Every week she's adding a new uh, sort of wrinkle. Somebody looked at that tree in the lobby and said, that is the nicest Christmas tree I've ever seen. And, uh, and of course, we love the food. We love, some of us love, you know, Santa and the elves and cheap movies. And we love the presents and the pageants and the parties. But first and foremost, could we, more than anything else, Love being able to focus the entire month on the recorded events of the Bible about the coming of God to earth, the incarnation, what Isaiah called him Emmanuel, God who is with us. And every year around this time, if we could somehow just grasp the love of God that exists right behind these familiar stories, Man, it would, it's almost like we should all burst into song, like some cheesy Broadway musical, except we'd have a real reason to sing. Wouldn't every one of us want to shout, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to men whom his favor rests. Now, let's just unpack this next part for a minute, because peace means a lot of things to, to a lot of people. What does peace mean to a soldier? What does peace mean to a mother of a colicky baby? A child whose parents are endlessly fighting? We usually think of it meaning the end of something, the end of a war, the end of noise, the end of a heart-wrenching dispute. So what kind of peace are the angels referring to? Is there a promise here of an end to any of what I just mentioned? Not really. All those examples are at best temporary. Um, uh, Wars will break out again. Babies will cry again. You know, relationships will get strained again. The, The peace that only the Messiah can bring is a personal, permanent kind of peace. Peace between self absorbed, willful, sinful people like like you and like me, 
and, and the holy God. And those whom God favors are those who understand and embrace this truth. God is offering a chance for us to have peace in our relationships. I'd like to promise you this Christmas that you can have peace in all your relationships. I can't do that. You know, you know that. And the Bible doesn't promise that either. It says in Romans 12, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. How many know it isn't always possible to do that? Yeah. Both personally and nationally. How many people uh, that uh, know someone that seems to thrive on conflict? Like, like if they don't have any, they, they have a way of creating some out of thin air. There are people like that, and there are people and groups of people who are so filled with selfish interests, they automatically hate other groups of people, their race, their gender, their politics, their sexual orientation, their opinions, their vaccination status, their religion. It's, it, it's wishful thinking to believe that on this side of heaven, we will never experience interpersonal conflict or be f- free from conflict as, a, as nations. But in Christ, we have the capability to not be that kind of person or that kind of group if we are at peace with God and by extension at, at peace with ourselves. It is remarkable how much that will improve our ability to be at peace with others. In other words, our level of internal peace, of soul peace, affects our ability to experience relational peace. Don't you find that to be true? If you are fighting with God over some issue of obedience in your life, it's it's a pretty good bet that there is some ripple effect to those relationships around you. You know, sometimes I think we put um, too much emphasis on receiving the good news of Jesus just so that we can spend eternity with God. That's a fantastic truth, but it's only part of the truth. The whole truth is that in this song, we are being told of the opportunity for God to affect our past, our present, and our future. Some people live very much in the here and now, right? I might be married to one of those people. Some folks live, you know, too far out in the future. Um, She might be married to one of those people. Some folks, I'm starting to worry, um, you know, might live too far in the past. The angel's song gives us hope of having peace from our past. If there's anything in your past that still causes you shame, embarrassment, guilt, this song promises that you can be at peace. If there's anything in your past that still causes you sadness or grief or loneliness, the song promises that you can be at peace. If there's anything in your past that brings you regret over things done or said that hurt people you love, this song promises that you can be at peace. 
You know, the Bible says that as far as the east is from the west, so far God has removed our transgressions, our sins from us. The slate is clean. It's been wiped clean with God. All things are new to him. So, like, you know how brown and dirty things can get here in the winter? Slush and salt, dirt. And then we get a big snowfall. And everything seems kind of fresh and pure and clean again. Well, the prophet Isaiah says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Pure, fresh, new. You know, we can have peace in our present as well. When the baby in the Christmas story was at the end of his time here on earth, he said to his followers in John 14, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't fragile like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. He tells us that the peace that comes through him is not the same as the superficial peace the world gives. Our world does promise you peace in a number of, of ways. We're actually bombarded with advertisements that promise that we'll know peace if we just, you know, purchase the right product. Every drug, both legal and illegal, suggests there's some pathway to peace. Many of us believe that, you know, we'd experience real peace if we just had financial security. Then we'd have peace. Those of you who have financial security know that it doesn't just happen, right? Peace doesn't just come. Still others try to convince us that peace is found only in sort of like having independence, never being answerable to anyone else or anything. And so we're bombarded by this peace that the world offers, all of which is temporary at best, fatal at worst. And we fail to believe the peace proclaimed by the angels and promised by Jesus himself. We, we often think of peace as, as having a life without trials or troubles, the absence of pain and suffering and heartache. That kind of peace, which actually sounds kind of awesome, um, it just can't be sustained, not in this world. So we need a peace that actually transcends circumstances, that allows us to rise above the urgency of the now, that allows us to have a clear head and a peaceful heart in the midst of chaos that defines our contemporary society, especially in 2021. It's a chaos that we have definitely lived through almost two years. That's part of what the angel song is about. So if, if the worries of today is what is eating at you, not yesterday or tomorrow, I want you to know you can have true peace. And you can have peace for the future because finally the angel song gives us hope of peace for the future. Anxiety about the future is always going to rob you of your peace today. I don't know if any of these thoughts sound familiar to you. 
What if my child gets sick or dies? What if my business goes under? Uh, What if I lose my health? Uh, What if my spouse leaves me? What if... What if the unspeakable tragedy that happened in that school in Michigan a few weeks ago happens to our community? Um, What if we never get past a post-COVID world? You know, the truth is that any of those things could happen. So let's just keep it real up front. But dwelling on our worst fears does nothing to prevent them. I'll tell you what it will do, though, It'll rob you of your sleep. It'll rob you of your health. It robs you of your joy. It robs us of our peace of mind today. Let's be honest, in a superficial external sense, the world didn't dramatically change after Jesus was born, at least not outwardly. Just look at the tragedy of of his life. A King Herod ordered the murder of a whole nation of baby boys because of his own paranoia uh, when he found out about this baby who would be called the King of the Jews. Later, Jesus was publicly humiliated and beaten and executed for daring to share the audacious message that he was providing a way for you and me to live at peace with God. History Uh, will show that from the time of Jesus until today, there's just been a a few years, I count them on two hands, where there wasn't a war raging somewhere on our planet. Human cruelty, it seems, knows no bounds. There are still today, in the 21st century, places on this planet so overwhelmed with poverty, and injustice, it just defies description. There are still dictators and evil regimes that will stop at nothing to accumulate power and wealth. So it has been in the past, so it probably always will be. And there has never been a government or a political ideology that has been able to break the bondage of sin that expresses itself in broken individual lives and broken society as a whole. Communism didn't fix it, did it? Socialism didn't fix it. Capitalism didn't fix it. Democracy didn't fix it. Libertarianism won't fix it. Christian, today I'm begging you not to put your faith in a political system. A, a worldly kingdom or philosophy. It will never deliver what our heart really yearns for. It will never truly fix what ails us. And that's why Jesus said in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Because in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Tragedy will come to us. If it hasn't yet, it will. Merry Christmas, everybody. (laughs) But one thing will not change. The Savior that the angels sang about is still alive and still involved in this world. The song, in a very literal sense, is still being sung. 
The angels didn't sing a chorus and then get back to, you know, polishing their halos. If we could get a glimpse of heaven today, I bet we would still hear them singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah proclaimed peace with kind of a song of his own. And it went like this. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Peace, peace can be found no matter what your circumstances are today. The most real part about you is your soul. And when your soul is at peace with God, you have the capacity to endure any crisis, any tragedy, any misfortune. The Prince of Peace is with us today. I want to invite the band to come up as I pray. Father, I thank you for sending your son. It caused a whole company of angels to burst into song, say glory to God in the the highest that you would send this baby in the most humble of circumstances, probably in a cave in Bethlehem, probably with the stench of manure, the message delivered to the lowest of the low. It's so like you, God. Your your upside down kingdom where the least shall be first. Where the servant becomes leader and master. May we learn something about your humility in this Christmas time.